Hello, world. That sound you hear at the beginning of each episode is me cracking a tall boy. Welcome back for episode two of Nat's Plains. Um, and this is also the second part of my two-part series on borders and why they're not important, as outlined to me by my fiance who gifted me this podcast. So for the start, I wanted to go over a couple of ground rules moving forward. I'm going to try to do these podcasts every Sunday or on Sundays. I'll aim for every Sunday, but you know how life gets in the way sometimes. The second thing is I will do no research for these podcasts unless I tell you that I have. So everything that you hear is information that I have already stored in my brain, which I think stays true to the vision of what my fiance hoped for with this podcast. But even yours truly doesn't know everything. So from time to time, I may need to do some research. I will let you know when I have done research uh, in advance of a podcast. Third, the quality of the first episode was not the best. There were lots of ums and you knows and shuffling around. I hope you can already hear that I'm aiming to improve on that in this episode. And as we move forward, I'm sure that the quality will continue to get better, but I'm, I'm aware, you know, I'm an amateur. Um, it's, uh, it's a work in progress and uh, everyone's along for the ride. Uh, <clears throat> Finally, I appreciate all of the feedback that I received and I will have in the future some, some guests on to discuss specific topics. Many of my friends uh, were interested in coming on and depending on the topic they will be on, I also got substantive feedback. It's appreciated. Keep it coming. At the end of the day, this podcast isn't a democracy, <laughs> uh, but I welcome the feedback. So let's get on to the topic of immigration. What borders mean for immigration beyond the obvious? We don't often talk about the human consequences of borders. I'll start with uh, an axiom that I haven't read anywhere. It's something that I've long maintained. You can no more control the flow of humans than you can control the flow of water. You can't stop somebody from moving to a different town, a different state or province, or a different country for economic circumstances. Nor do I think it humane to do so. Who are we to tell, you know, a, 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 for example, a Syrian a family trapped as a result of the terrible civil war in Syria, whose home has been demolished, relatives dead, who knows what other horrors have been inflicted on them, that they must stay there. They shouldn't move. They shouldn't try to escape that country. 
they must stay there because they were born there. And these borders that, that the British and French drew, you know, 100 years ago, mean that you must stay there. So you can't leave there in, in search of better opportunity because of these lines, these artificial lines that have been drawn on maps. It's inhumane. And we see the human consequences with, for example, refugees, not just from Syria, but from Africa, not just refugees, migrants in search of economic opportunity who are forced to try to get to Europe uh, by crossing the Mediterranean uh, with human smugglers who charge them in their life savings and uh, they're herded onto these rickety boats. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen the horrific consequences of that, people drowning and whatnot. The illegality of migration by unskilled labor or people from countries that the West don't approve of creates a situation similar to what the illegality of drugs does, where you have middlemen who profit by trying to match supply with demand because supply and demand can't meet naturally. So those as long as long as as long as these limits on migration are there, there will be people smugglers and those seeking to leave their homelands, whether it's because of war or in search of better economic opportunity, will pay those people and they will be taken advantage of and they will be put in harm's way and people will drown and people will die crossing you know, mountain ranges. Well, let, let me switch, let me, that, that's a good, a good place to switch. For, for much human civilization, for all of it actually, <laughs> The borders that we had that prevented migration flows were natural. The Himalayas, for example, for the most part, sealed off India. For the most part, there were migrations into India. You have the Sahara in Africa, uh, mountain ranges in Europe. You got the picture. I said, by the way, I recommend a book called Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. It's over a decade old, but it touches on migration and lays forth the best argument I've ever heard for why Europeans won the last 300 years that isn't racial. Great book. And it has a lot to do with natural borders um, and the axes that continents lie on. Anyways, those natural borders restricted flows. But if we look at Eurasia, for example, which lies on a horizontal axis, no, from for, for vast swaths of human history, people could cross from left to right across the Eurasian continent, from right to left. Ideas spread. You know, you've heard of the Silk Road. Sorry, I'm going to try to stop doing the you've heard of. Maybe if I mention something that I say you've heard of and you haven't, mention it in the comments and perhaps I can address it in a later episode. I, I, I tend to make assumptions about what people know. My apologies. The physical borders, you know, the, the ocean, the Mediterranean, the Himalayas, act as a natural deterrent to the flow of people. 
what we're seeing though, particularly with regards to, to Europe and Africa and the Mediterranean is that people will cross, people will still risk everything to cross those borders, those natural borders in pursuit of economic opportunity. I think that we should respect those natural borders. I'm not calling for, for making it easier for people to cross the Mediterranean, but I guess what I'm saying is that a more just immigration system, one that factored in the human costs of this permanent illegality of unskilled labor migration, particularly from poor to rich countries. We need to rethink it. I don't have the answers yet. Well, not yet, maybe I never will. But it's, I just thought that it was worth noting that there are human consequences. Let's also talk about uh, my current neighbor to the south with uh, the madman president who's hopefully on his way out, locking up Mexican and Central and Southern American families at the Southern US border, separating them, trying to make conditions at the Southern US border so unbearable that it deters migrants from attempting to cross. And yet some still do. Lost in the debate, to the extent that there is one, I guess there is, about the southern border of the U.S. and what policies you know, are humane or inhumane, is the fact that migration flows from Mexico have been in a, in a long-term decline. Since the Obama presidency, if not starting in the Bush administration, as I recall, the reason for that was improving economic conditions in Mexico and beyond to South America. So one of the best ways that we can stem economic migration, people leaving one country to, to typically a poor country to go to a richer country, is by improving the economic conditions in that, you know, in that poor country. I don't have the GDP per capita statistics for Mexico or you know South America generally in front of me, but I believe that ah, I should have done some research on this, so, <laughs> but I'm pretty, I'm quite certain. Google it. There was generally a, a, an improvement in the welfare conditions of Mexicans in the 2000s. Some might attribute that to NAFTA, some might not. Either way, migration flows have been in decline from Mexico, which obviously is the only country bordering the US southern border. I know that includes people from other countries, but, and that decline was that precedes Donald Trump. And it precedes Obama's deportation policies where there was actually an increase over Bush. It was a, it is a result of improvement in economic conditions in Mexico and beyond as we go further south. So we don't need borders to do that. We can help our fellow brothers and sisters in other parts of the world 
by loosening trade restrictions, by improving and increasing the flows of foreign aid. There are a host of ways. That's for another episode. Anyway, I think I can stop there on immigration. One more topic, which was raised in some of the comments that I received. COVID and the role that borders have played or not played in controlling or not controlling the spread of the pandemic. In Trinidad, where I'm from, one of the countries to which I call myself a citizen, we seem to have done a decent job controlling the spread of COVID, or at least limiting its expansion within the country, essentially by shutting our borders down to most, if not all, international travel. It seems to have worked, but there are human costs. Well, beyond, first of all, COVID is still in the country. Perhaps it's not as rampant on a per capita basis. Human costs, such as, oh, I wasn't able to go home this Christmas. Okay, no big deal. But, you know, fine. I'm fortunate enough that we have enough technology that I was able to see my family and we were able to enjoy a good Christmas. I've heard horror stories, though, of citizen residents of Trinidad being stranded overseas for months. I think some still haven't been repatriated home. That's a human consequence of closing your borders. And unless we're arguing for a return to, well, not a return, if unless we're arguing for a turn to a world where everyone is locked in their own quote unquote nation state or country and unable to move, then border restrictions such as those imposed by Trinidad are gonna impose a human cost. I mean, I don't know how many people you know, for example, stranded in the U.S. who were on visitors' visas who can't work there legally. You know, God knows the Trinidadian government isn't providing them with welfare benefits or sending them any money that they can survive on while they're stranded. So there's one consequence. The other thing I'll say is that, I guess with the exception of New Zealand, which is fortunate to be situated I know the earth is a circumference, but come on, it's basically at the end of the world, right? It's not like at a cross section of of flights and, and, and whatnot. With the exception of New Zealand, I, I can't think of any country that has been able to completely stem or, or eliminate COVID by shutting their borders down. Some countries have tried to do it. it hasn't worked, right? The U.S. cut flights from China. The virus came in from Europe. As long as we have flights and people are able to travel over long distances on planes, whether we have borders or not, viruses will spread. And, by the way, there's nothing we can do that will eliminate, you know, every 100, 200 years, a lethal virus will mutate and spread across humanity. It's happened as far back you know, since the dawn of human civilization, or certainly since people moved into cities and, and urbanization began. You know, the Black Plague also came from China. Typically involves a mutation of a virus 
from an animal, somehow a human gets infected, maybe proximity to livestock, which is why a lot of these viruses tend to come from China. Um, you know, now heavily urbanized, but even before that large population, lots of livestock. It's not a, like a racial thing. It's just that they have a huge amount of people and they like to eat meat. And well, sanitary conditions can be improved, but that's another story. So viruses are a part of human life. They always will be. We will never eliminate them. What we can do is exactly what we're being told to do right now to stem the mortality associated with this one, which I think we've done a relatively good job as a species compared to past pandemics. You know, obviously there's lots of ways that it could be improved, but by and large, fast, you know, billions of people have voluntarily stayed at home, you know, worn masks. And as a result, you know, we're seeing death rates uh, that are, well, let me not say death rates, but the, the fear was that our ICU bed capacities would be overwhelmed if everybody got the virus at the same time, and that has not happened. So to an extent, you know, the physical distancing and the quarantining has worked, and it sucks. Hopefully it'll be over next year, hopefully. But viruses ain't going anywhere, and borders, no borders, has nothing to do with them. Okay, I think I'm going to wrap things up there. Thank you for joining me. And I look forward to doing more of these. And I hope that the quality of this one exceeded my previous attempt. Happy Sunday.